Okay, I can work with that. It's not marked up. Hmm? The Hockey Podcast by the Fateful and for the Fateful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good, Bruce. Good, good, good. I'm scrambling, scrambling a little bit, and i got to go close that door, but you carry on. I'll be right back. So, a huge win for the Oilers uh, against a really good Carolina Hurricanes team. that I think they said beat the Oilers five straight in Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton 6-4. Um, got the lead early and held it throughout the game every time Carolina came close. Edmonton uh, was able to score and get ahead of them again. <coughs> so, a big win for the Oilers. Evens their record. And um, the grade-A shots were 17-16 to 16 for the Oilers. And the, and the subset of um, five alarm shots are seven and seven. And if you don't know what I mean by that, grade A shots go in uh, a more than, you know, a grade A shot is a shot that's going to go in 20 plus percent of the time. And a five alarm shot, those are the very best scoring chances. They go in 30 plus percent of the time. Um, so um, the teams are pretty much even in both those categories. It was a, uh, a great, uh, exciting game um, with lots of good plays by both teams. <clears throat> this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. So, Bruce, why don't you start it off with your good thing? Yeah, I'm going to go with the shorthanded goal scored by the Oilers to, uh, uh, I guess, give them the lead to stay because uh, uh, it was tied one to one at the time, and uh, uh, they scored, uh, uh, and they were down a man and you were thinking they're just hanging on at this particular moment and uh all of a sudden a goal out, out of the blue and the puck went 200 feet in seven seconds uh, evan bouchard started it by jumping on a loose puck behind the net and uh coming around the net with some vigor and i thought he's just going to make a good hard play to clear the puck and instead he made a good hard play to control the puck and when he came out around the net he had a lane and he fired a perfect pass uh, up to uh, 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 McLeod, and all of a sudden McLeod and Nugent Hopkins come bursting through the center zone with speed, and it's uh, only one Carolina guy back, and it was a, a beautiful give-and-go between the two with um, uh, Nugent making the, the through pass and uh, McLeod picking it up, going to the backhand and tucking it through the five-hole. And I just thought a very, very pretty goal, really, like, Beautiful play by all three men involved in this goal and, and just old-time Oiler hockey. Start at one end, put the puck in the net at the other. Showtime. That goal was, uh, that was right out of the L.A. Lakers. Magic Johnson's James Worthy. Yeah. <laughs> or to Coop. Coop come flying down. That way it was beautiful. Starting with Bouchard's play there, Bruce. Yes. Such a heads-up play. And I, I thought he was making more heads-up plays with the puck. Uh, in this game, he set up. Um, there's another time when he had it at the point, Bouchard, and, and instead of just firing it at net, he he found uh, Derek Ryan in the slot yep. for a dangerous backhand shot. So he just he's getting his offense like he's 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 really getting his offensive game, passing game together. Uh, it's coming around, and that's great to see because he's such a fine hockey player. Yeah, that he also was he also saved a goal just by some good hard play <laughs> in front of his own net, clearing a rebound for what otherwise would have been an easy oh, tap yeah. in if he hadn't yeah. been there. Now that said, he did have a couple of stray 
passes that led to problems, but uh, there were some lots of good positive plays. And this was one, like I was already uh, exclaiming about what a good play he was making while he still had the puck on his stick, let alone then the, the long stretch pass that uh, broke his teammates on the two-on-one. And that was, uh, Carolina never did catch up after that. They did not. And McLeod's finish was uh, fantastic. I actually, I liked the line quite a bit of Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogle, and Yessa Pugliarvi. I thought, um, <coughs> excuse me, in that setting, Pugliarvi feels a lot more confident to carry the puck. I think he might see himself as maybe even the primary puck carrier out there. So he was making more plays, and I thought they worked well together. It looked like the makings of a pretty good third line for the Oilers. Um Okay, my good thing, Bruce, <coughs> excuse me, got this cough, Zach Hyman. He's been mm-hmm. the best, uh, maybe the best Oilers player um, to start the year, certainly the best winger. In fact, heading into this game, he was the only winger, well, none of the wingers had scored except for, had any of them scored? I don't think any of the wingers had scored heading into the game. No. <coughs> so. Didn't you write um, a post about that? No, none yeah. of them had scored. Not and, scored, but he had been getting all kinds of chances and um, had been playing very well. And tonight he he was uh, instrumental in a couple of the goals. He, mm-hmm. um, including the first goal, which was great to see the owners, the owners needed that first goal, <coughs> came on the power play. And what I liked was just his um, fast move to the net when Barry got the puck at the point. He just charged the net and got his stick on it. It was a great tip and a fantastic goal. He also was in on a big goal, <coughs> excuse me, early in the third period, Bruce, where he um, rushed down the ice to get onto Freddie Anderson, the goalie. And he kind of bumped him, jostled him a little bit, and the puck was moving around. McDavid touched it. And then Hyman kicked it out with his skate to Nugent Hopkins, who put it into the net before Anderson could get back. So, <coughs> now it wasn't a perfect game from Hyman. He was um, a culprit on one of those. Uh, Shorthanded goals that you're going to be talking about shortly. But um, he's been playing with uh, just, inc- you know, his usual hustle and his puck protection. I mean, he is so difficult to handle in the corners. He just snaking around with the puck, um, you know, uh, using his butt and back to protect the puck as he's, as he's moving his feet, moving this way, then that way. And um, what a difficult offensive player to contain. He's... Um, been everything and i've said this before he's been everything the owners had hoped for and more since coming here from toronto nice to see him cash one tonight he's come close uh till now and and in fact he was the first of three wingers to score uh uh goals tonight because uh kane got one yeah uh that was long you know it was due based on the number of chances he'd been generating and then Nugent Hopkins, who was playing wing in this game, uh, he also scored one. Uh, so they got some production from the wings, which uh, they needed. You know, I mean, they got three goals from centers, but they also got three from wingers, and that's uh, they needed basically all of those goals. Indeed. Bruce, let's move on to our bad things. And I'm going to go get a glass of water here because I'm coughing so much. Well, you start with your bad thing. Well, I start raving about my bad thing. Yeah, okay. It's going to take going to take me longer to rave about this bad thing than it took Carolina to score these two power play goals that they got in the third period. Uh, one of them, uh, 
came just three seconds into the power play after an extremely questionable uh, penalty call on Ryan McLeod for uh, uh, basically uh, winning a, a bumping battle on uh, the other end of the ice. And uh, it's okay, apparently, if, for the defenseman to push the forward out of the crease, but it's not okay for the forward to hold his ground around the crease because, as I saw it, that's all Ryan McLeod did was hold his ground. And somehow on a night full of ticky-tack penalties, this may be the ticky-tackiest of them all, was the one on McLeod. Anyway, three seconds, lost face-off, kind of a scramble draw, and all of a sudden, there he is again, all alone in front of the net. Uh, Andrei Svechnikov, who had a fantastic game for uh, Carolina tonight, wicked shooter. And uh, he overpowered Jack Campbell on three different occasions, this being the third, to make the score four to three. So then the Oilers got a power play of their own and they cash. So now it's five three and you think it's safe. And then there's another, uh, what the heck was that last penalty for? Was it was Kane's? That, that was Kane. Yeah, he was like, what he was going over the penalty. blue line ahead of the puck. If he keeps going, he's offside. He stops. The guy skating backwards, not even looking at Kane, and Kane just pulling up to stay onside, and the guy skated right into him. It was it was, uh, it was the Carolina guy that was actually moving, and Kane was just standing still. Interference on Kane. I mean, come on. So uh, my bad thing easily could have been Mister's referee in this game because there was a lot of ticky tack, and to be fair, some of it in both directions. There were some yeah. cheap calls in this game. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I guess they added to the excitement, certainly to the offense of this game, with all the special teams goals that were scored. Uh, and that penalty, uh, the Oilers did manage to clear the puck down the ice once, and Carolina rushed it back up the ice, and there was four Oilers strung out across the blue line. Nurse and CeCe in the middle of the ice, and on the wings, Hyman on the boards on one side, Nugent Hopkins on the other side, and it looks like, okay, they got this all covered. And then, basically, uh, the two Carolina guys, Sebastian Ajo and Martin Nakes, it's like they're coming in two-on-two on the defenseman is what I focused on in this play. And the wingers had sort of the outer lanes covered. And they just, two of them just skated right past CeCe and Nice, like Nurse, like they weren't even there. Like both defensemen were like, you know, not even getting a stick on a guy or anything at all. They just walked, well, skated fast. Right past both guys, two on o, a two on two just turned into a two on o. Now you don't see that every day, and uh, one good pass and shot later, and Jack Campbell, uh, uh, who had a couple of iffy moments and and several good ones. This one he it was not his moment at all. He had no chance. They just made the pass yeah. and shot and no goal. He can be expected to stop that. But the PKers, holy moly, what was that? I didn't like Nuge on that play. He was he was at the blue line. And yeah, his feet he were not moving, and he just watched a little bit. Yeah, he he did watch. And anyway, they all watched. I mean, there was all you know. It was yeah. Just let's get in our positions and stand around in them, which I guess is better than standing around out of position, but not by much. <laughs> yeah, they were quickly out of position. Yes. Um, <sighs> yeah, it was like it was the uh, you, you know the very addition of not a hardworking penalty kill. Um, so anyway, that's, it was one of those, one of, one of those moments. I'd be very interested to hear a real experts, uh, like coaches level analysis of some of these plays, that one in particular, 
as to how the coach read, as to what the plan, and I'm sure they would label several suspects, not just one person that whose breakdown caused the cascade. Like you sometimes see one, you know, one bad turnover and everybody else is scrambling and nobody makes the play. And you and I even might wind up blaming two or three people, but it's really the one, the one stinker of a play that, 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 uh, uh, is the main cause of this sequence of pain, but this was one where it was just seemed like negligence all around. <laughs> well, we could have also, we didn't blame Hyman, but Hyman didn't kind of force the guy to the outside coming up the middle of the ice, right? He charges right up the middle of the ice because Hyman can't angle him. Mm-hmm. And then Nuge, to me, it's Nuge was the main culprit in my mind because he just yeah. he just did not take Close. a man going to the net, like get on that guy. Um, just don't watch play. So anyway, you're right though. It, it, we, you know, coaches would probably um, number of coaches would watch that and might disagree actually on who was the main culprit. But there was no shortage of culprits. <clears throat> All right, Bruce. Um, my uh, bad thing was this is the fourth game in the row where an Oilers goalie has led in an iffy goal, and <clears throat> the Canes' first goal by Svechnikov was from pretty far outside the scoring chance zone. And he does have a hell of a shot, but Campbell's got to have that. And not only does Campbell have to have that, Ryan Murray's got to shut that down. I mean, he's, I noticed early in the game, he gives a lot of gap, uh, Murray does. Mm -hmm. He gives a lot of time and space to opposing attackers. Um, We'll see if he can pick it up, but I'm starting to wonder if he's going to work out. He just seems a little bit, he's making me appreciate Duncan Keith's game a whole heck of a lot more. I mean, Keith was so active and quick. And, um, you know, Murray, it's just, he's just, there's two, again, two, like on that play, Svechnikov cruised right in there. Murray could have been on him. Um, Nurse was backing up a little bit too, but really it was Murray's man. And just get mm-hmm. on that guy. Don't let him shoot. So especially he did, especially him. And then a bad thing happened. So yeah, Cam- that one was right in tight to Campbell's body. Made him look bad. Like he, Campbell did look bad on that. But what a wicked shot that guy had. I mean, later on in the game, we saw several more examples of it. And they were talking about this on the broadcast. It was like no wind-up. He'd have the puck on his stick and then full uh, full strength wrist shot without any kind of flex. Just boom, gone off his stick and just exploding into the net. That second goal that he scored was amazing. Like Nima Linen and Kane, Kane didn't do very well. He kind of booted the puck away at center ice and then Nima Linen fumbled it up or, you know, missed the play. And then Barry is letting, you know, backing up and letting Sveshnikov shoot, which is never a good idea. So there was, you know, some culprits there, but what a shot by that player, man. He, that was incredible how he fired that puck into the net. I thought that Barry probably tipped it in when I first saw it because I heard the clash of what's usually puck on stick. And I looked slowly at the replay several times, and the one from the the sort of center ice view was the best. Mm -hmm. And Svechnikov snapped the puck with with such force and and the nature of his shot, like this is really unusual, that had follow-through of his stick hit Barry's stick and lifted Barry's stick out of the way as the puck came through. It's like the like the toe of uh, Svechnikov's stick was ahead of the puck. Oh, yeah. His follow-through had such force, and he just whacked Barry's stick in the process, and the puck went right off the boat, maybe both posts, and then I was like, what a shot. <laughs> what a shot. <laughs> so sometimes he's just going to give the other guy his due, and uh, 
Tonight, uh, Andrei Svechnikov was firing lasers. It was nice when Leon kind of answered that with his own great <laughs> shot in the third period there, wasn't yes. it? Like on the power play um, mm-hmm. to get the fifth goal. All right, what is your number, Bruce? And then, yeah, and then Carolina, when they did score, there was over 10 minutes left, and they made it 5-4, so I made it close again. Down the stretch, I was saying to my wife, it's awful quiet in there for a game where the Oilers are actually leading against a really top team in the other conference. You'd expect this place, but it was like people were just like sitting back, waiting for the next time Carolina would come over the blue line and control the puck for a while, and, uh, you know, and... Anyway, the uh, actually the last ten minutes, the Oilers didn't give up a whole lot. Just just the one mistake by CC really in the with the goalie oh, out. Jeez, oh, yeah. that could have been a bad bad thing. Oh man, I felt bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my number is seventy eight. This is the number of faceoffs in tonight's game. Uh, Oilers won forty and lost thirty eight. Uh, with uh, Leon Dreisaitl taking 30 face-offs in this game and winning 19 of them. And it's just, it's not just this one game that's uh, that's that's funny. It's the whole year to this point. I noticed this right from the first game. I never said much on the podcast because it's just a one-off, but I always look at the face-off stats on the event summary. Game number one, 71 face-offs. That was a Vancouver game. Now, these are all regulation games too, of course. Uh, 66 in the Calgary game. That's a lot. Then in the uh, game against Buffalo, 72. And tonight, 78. So they're averaging like 72 face-offs a game through four games. And it's only four games, but 72 face-offs. Like last year, the number of games with 70 face-offs was very, very few. We've already had three. And last year, the average for the entire season was 57. Oh, I thought okay, so it was, I was way thinking. up. It's like, and I don't know if this is a trend around the league. I just noticed it in the Oilers game. Jack in each game, I'm sort of going, "What?" Well, that'd be part of it, and and uh, part of it would be no more Mike Smith and his daring do coming out to keep keep the play alive all the time. But then again, Mike Smith only played right. what 25 games last year or whatever. It's not like he was there all year. So I don't know if there's something different going on in the league or or what. Like, there's a sh- ton of icings. And it seems like in every game, icing, 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 icing. And I don't know if it's a strategy change or if the linesman are maybe calling a little bit harder or what's going on. But uh, it's it's just a weird trend. I don't know what it means, David. I don't know what this really the difference between a game with 80 face-offs and one with 50, other than the one is obviously a slower game than the other. And I think it works to the Oilers' advantage when the puck is in motion and the play is flowing a little more. And it really hasn't been as much as as we're accustomed to uh, in the first few games. So it just could be just a random number stat I'm throwing at you folks there tonight. Could be Campbell and Skinner's game management as opposed to Koskinen and Smith. I don't know. Goalies have goalies have some uh, uh, some influence on it for sure. Campbell and Skinner uh, both move the puck though. Like they get out there and play the puck. They're both actually pretty good at it. Better than Koskin and not as good as Smith, not as risky as Smith, though, either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was Anderson, of course, who's trying to play the puck that um, caused that crucial goal against for the Oilers, right? Like uh, Hyman getting in, in on him and goalie out of the crease. You always love to see that. I kept expecting him to get back there because they always do. You, you hardly ever see the team take the home team take advantage of that, right, and get the puck in the net. But the, Nugent Hopkins was able to do so with Hyman and McDavid's help. 
good on Nuge for hitting the net from that angle too. One, <laughs> yeah. And getting away quick, like getting shots away quick has never been really Nuge's strength, but he sure got that one off his stick in a quick hurry and it didn't have a lot on it, but he got it away quick and on the target. And sometimes those are the two two elements you need to yeah. get rewarded on the score sheet. Okay, my number is Ryan Murray's time on ice in the last four games, which has gone from uh, 16 to 15.50 to 13.33 to 8.10 tonight. <clears throat> now, the last two games, they've had seven defensemen, so that's part of the uh, part of what's going on. But um, he's not flourishing yet uh, here as an owner. You know, we'll, we'll give him time. I'll give him time. See how they can do, but uh, Nima Linen's also had his early season struggles. He was a culprit on a goal against tonight, and of course Philip Broberry's injured in um, Bakersfield. So, you know, often like I can remember um, some some uh, you know there's people on uh, Twitter will debate endlessly like who should be the 12th forward on the team or the sixth defenseman, and sometimes you know like veteran hockey observers will scold them for like putting so much time debating this thing, this kind of thing. But it's a, a, actually quite critical in a, in a three-two league, as as uh, uh, Sutter calls this league. If you're responsible for a goal against, if you're the sixth defenseman or the or the twelfth uh, forward, that's huge. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a it, it is a game of your strongest links and your weakest links. And right now the Oilers have a weak link weak link at six uh, D, and. Um, Either Murray or Nimalina are going to have to step up, or hopefully Philip Broberry will get healthy and we'll see him. But it's a bit of a problem right now. And, um, you know, there's some good candidates. Murray's a decent candidate to get it together and, and fill that spot, or Nimalina. So we'll see what happens. But right now we're seeing uh, the coach not not trusting, uh, trusting Ryan Murray less and less each game, it looks like. Yeah, I thought... That uh, it seemed like Nima Linen and Murray were sharing the ice time on that third pairing, and they each got around eight minutes tonight. But the odd thing was their their nominal partner Evan Bouchard played twenty minutes and thirty one seconds, which is to say several minutes more than his two partners combined. That's kind of hard to do, but I mean he played seventeen twenty three at even strengths Bouchard, uh, and played time on both special teams as well. And uh, Nima Line and, and uh, Murray both were, were basically uh, just playing at even strength, and they played 16 minutes and change together. So Bouchard um, played more than the two of them combined, and I'm not sure who, who else he played with. My internet's a little bit glitchy tonight, so I wasn't able to get my reports yeah. to look at. But it's uh, it's um, uh, a strange night when you have a a three guys in a pairing and one of them plays over 20 minutes and the other two play <clears throat> 10. Yeah. I thought both Kulak and uh, Bouchard uh, played much closer to their A game tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kulak looked good. He was, you know, finally really skating and uh, making plays. So I, I liked both their games tonight quite a bit. Not mm-hmm. so much Nima Linen and Murray. I can see why they didn't get a lot of ice time. All right, Bruce, any final thoughts or? Oh, uh, well, uh, uh, yes, uh, I loved Leon Dreisaitl's game, about 80% of it tonight, just like last game, but tonight he, did, he didn't have the the real costly mistakes. He still has mistakes. He always has mistakes in his game, but he does so many wonderful things in a game. 
there was a play where he uh, tried to pull the puck through his legs and shoot it in across the goal crease and bounce it in. There was another play where somebody passed it behind him as he was hitting the blue line. He took it in the very back of his outer skate and kicked it onto his stick and over the blue line and somehow stayed on side. And some of these things are very, very subtle. And other things like the way he pounded home the game-winning goal on the power play. Uh, <clears throat> finally, the play he made in the dying seconds to uh, hold his position, pick off a pass, and then very... Uh, uh, professionally lay a bank pass off the boards and up McDavid's wing where Connor can skate onto it, where some players would try and go up the middle with it. Others would fire it too hard and ice it. And he just, first of all, he made the defensive play to get the puck and then just the perfect outlet to, uh, to seal the deal. It's just, there's just so much quality in his game that even when he has his, you know, I mean, he had one bad turnover coming up through the neutral zone there, but uh, uh, he uh, uh, he's such a pleasure to watch. And of course, on this team, I mean, we got McDavid and his four points tonight. We didn't even Anthony mention Hopkins that yet. Yeah. And his four points tonight. You know, I mean, we got uh, we got some, uh, <clears throat> some skilled guys on this team, and uh, uh, they're a joy to watch. McDavid, uh, Dreisaitl is now 10th in league scoring with eight points in uh, four games. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and McDavid is second to Panarin, who has um, 11 points in five games. McDavid has 10 points in four games. Okay. Svechnikov leads the league in goal scoring at six, I believe. Yeah. Check that. Yeah. Stamkos. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Stamkos and Sveshnikov. Well, Bruce, we better end this before my uh, voice comes. No, I was just going to say, time to time to go and have a drink of uh, <clears> honey, <throat> and honey and lemon tea or something, and give yeah. your voice a give your voice yep. and your throat a bit of a break here. So, all right, Bruce, uh, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.